This is a Colored Pencil Podcast, session number 163. Welcome to Sharpened Artist, a Colored Pencil Podcast, where we discuss in detail all things in and around colored pencils and the colored pencil artist. And now your hosts... Lisa Clow and John Middick. Hello, my name is John Middick of SharpenedArtist.com, and I'm joined, as usual, by my co-host, Lisa Clow of Lockery Fine Art. Lisa, how are you? I am great. How are you? I am doing never better, and this is a show about colored pencil, where we discuss in detail everything related to colored pencil and the colored pencil artist. So, Lisa, what are we talking about today? We are talking about things I wish someone had told me earlier when it comes to art. Yeah, we've compiled a little list here that we want to talk about. On this side of things, you know, I, we've been both doing art for quite some time. Lisa's been doing it a lot longer than I have. But Did you just uh, call me old? Uh, no, <laughs> I was very careful about that. <laughs> and so what happens is you learn some things along that continuum, wherever you are on that continuum. And there are times when you have these little breakthrough moments and you're like, ah, I wish I had known that. A decade ago, or even two years ago, we're hoping that this list will be helpful. So number one, it takes time to start earning an income. Don't think that you're just going to quit your day job and all of a sudden everything will be rainbows and roses and unicorns because it doesn't work like that. You've got to prepare ahead of time if it's something that you're not doing as a hobby and you want it to eventually become a secondary source of income or a primary source. Allow your day job to become your patron. Allow that to support you. And then you can do this in your spare time. And what that will do is it will allow you to make the proper decisions in your business because you're not doing things out of desperation. You're not doing things because of money. And that makes you desperate oftentimes. And it makes it where you won't see the long-term play and you won't have a a long-term strategy for making this into a viable income and into a a real business. Yeah. And if you do end up having to work longer, because that's what happened to me, I thought, okay, I'm going to be an artist. I'm only going to have to continue working at the animal hospital for another few months. This is going to take off. No. I was there for years. You know, it takes, it definitely takes time and don't let that discourage you. Don't be upset that it takes longer. It takes longer for everyone. It is rare for stuff to take up, uh, you know, really take off sooner than that. It's going to take a lot of time. I remember when I first got started with art. Now, I do think you can do it faster than this, but I remember being told when I was about 1920 that it wouldn't be until I hit around 40 that I was making a stable income as an artist, that that was just the norm at the time. Now, because of social media, that obviously can happen way sooner for people. But in my case, it was definitely true. I mean, it really took that long before I, I understood all aspects of this. But I think you you have so many people out there telling you, the, the big, you know, business gurus, quit your job mm-hmm. and go all in. You can do it. No, don't do that. That will make it miserable and it will make you start to really dislike art 
hurt in general. You start to get resentful about the whole thing when you can't pay your bills because you decided to do this. So yeah, just going into it, I think knowing that I was going to have to work longer would have been helpful. I I do wish I had understood that early on. It would have been less discouraging when I continued working at the animal hospital for longer than I anticipated. Next, being good at art does not mean sales are going to flood in. That was a big one for me. I thought I just needed, you know, I'm producing stuff. Everyone says they love it. So obviously I'm going to start making a ton of money. This concept uh, that you hear, build it and they will come, does not apply for art at all. I actually am not sure what that applies for. Maybe for bees, if you put the right flowers out, they'll come. I don't know. There are not many things <laughs> right. in life that I think build it and they will come. Yeah, it's over. not realistic. You, yeah. Not at you all. have to market. You have to learn to sell. There is a business side of things that as an artist, and I think that's where most artists fail. Absolutely where I was failing. I needed to learn how to market. I needed to learn how to sale. I thought, okay, I and even once Facebook came about and I posted on there, or you know, we had our Facebook pages back when that used to be successful. Um, I thought that would get me a bunch of sales. I thought you know, all all of these things, if I just made something, if I put my work out there, that was what was going to make the sale. And no, it doesn't. You have to learn business and marketing. It, it, it goes hand in hand. If you want to be successful as an artist, you have to get be successful at the business side too. Yeah. Okay. I'm not really going to add much to that because our next one actually ties in with that. So next, building a website does not mean that sales will come either. So you have to market that as well. Uh, you know, this is true for anything that you do in your business. Anything that you do that you feel like, okay, this is foundational. I have to at least have this. I have to at least build this thing or at least get this up and running. The thing that I would caution anybody about, though, is that you don't sit there and obsess over the website. You don't sit there and obsess over your business card or obsess over your logo or anything else. Fill in the blank. Because when you do that and you're thinking that there's so many things that matter concerning this little tiny piece, what really could be happening is you may just be procrastinating on actually doing work, on actually getting something done. And you're obsessing over some tiny little thing. And so that's my caution to you is that if you're, you know, getting hung up on something and you're thinking, well, no, this has to be so perfect or this has to be so polished. um, There is a, you know, uh, just a benchmark level of success that you should, you know, uh, of of a uh, successful type of website or type of business card or logo or whatever it is. There is a benchmark that you should aim for, but you should not obsess over that thing. And building something that is functional at first is what you should shoot for and then move on. Because you can always readdress those things later and you can always refine it over time. So true. My website is a never-ending work in progress. Yeah. Yeah. If you I've think of it like that, that's a good thing. If you think, oh, yeah. this is good enough for right now, I'm going to you know, progress forward. That's, I think that's a good thing. Don't ever think that the, the journey is the destination. It's The journey is the business. The journey is part of the process and just enjoy the journey. And along with that goes understanding your target market. This, I think, was one of my biggest challenges. And don't worry for those of you who aren't trying to, to – 
are concerned with the business side of things. We'll be talking about art in general too. But mm-hmm. the tar- understanding that I didn't need to try to please everyone in the world. Like I had this attitude, if I had the money, I could have postcards made or flyers and I'm going to put it on everyone's car in the parking lots. Or I'm going to go door to door. What if I What if I had a billboard? What if I had enough money that I had a billboard I could put up with my art? I remember at one point, you know those ads you see before a movie plays? Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I could pay to have that done and add that I do portraits and murals and such. Um, I'll have that play before. It, that, that, I'm not hitting my target market. I'm not hitting the right people. Instead, what would have been better? At the time, I was really focused on pet portraits. Go and put an ad in a dog fancy magazine, cat fancy, um, you know, target where the people who would be interested in my stuff it. I, I seem to think that everybody was going to like it. And I did the same thing with my videos. I seem to be under the impression that every everyone wants to watch an art video. That's naive, seriously naive. Just because I'm interested in it doesn't mean everyone is. And I used to think, well, I'm going to spend time. I'll post about the videos I made. I used to post a lot in an Android forum. Um, or I didn't post a lot. I was more just, I read a lot. Very into to that sort of tech. But I used to think, well, I'll post about my video there. And that oh, they're going to love it. And everybody's going to flood over. And this is how I'm going to be gain a following. That's not my target market. Why would I think people into tech are interested in the pain? Yeah, you know, a couple of people would be interested. But why am I spending my time targeting the wrong people? Mm-hmm. Spend your time targeting less people but the right people. Mm-hmm. That's what's going to bring in those sales. Well, I have to say this before we move on then, because that just conjures up uh, something that I think about a lot. And that is that a lot of artists are marketing their commission work and everything else to other artists. Uh, and that yes. doesn't work. Um, I don't know why that is not obvious to so many artists, but I don't think that it is. But if you're really wanting to get some commission work or you're wanting to show in a gallery or something like that, you got to get it in front of collectors and in front of people who are interested in buying art, not other artists. It's rare that another artist is going to buy your work. They don't care about that. They're trying to hone their own craft and figure out you know, what they need to do to level up. They're not interested in buying your art or commissioning a piece. Most most of the time, most of them. Yeah, are. and I know what some of you are thinking is, oh, I buy art from other artists. Yeah, rarely. But though. you're kind of the exception. Yeah, you're no, yeah. you're not going to make a living selling art to, yeah, to exactly. other artists. You'll get a few sales here and there, but it's not going to be. That's not where your focus should be. You would be much better off focusing in yeah, other figuring areas. out who that target market is again. Yeah. So next, listen to marketing podcasts, read marketing blogs. Um, You know, there are so many resources out there. It doesn't have to be specific to just art. And actually, when you stop and think about that, um, if you can apply what you're learning in another venue, another area of business and apply that to art, that's the best thing to do. I want to go ahead and throw a couple of podcasts out there that I think are good ones to go ahead and listen to to help you in your art business. And I think one of the best ones is a Side Hustle School, and that is a daily podcast, but it's very, very short. Uh, That's a really good one. I think 99% Invisible is another good one. Uh, That one is a design podcast, but it, it just opens up your mind to other ideas. I have to mention the Savvy Painter. She does interviews most of the time, but I think that's a good one for artists to listen to. There may be others, and I mean, and there's a lot of books, and there's a lot of gurus out there who market themselves as gurus in the marketing space. And, you know, we probably don't even have to name their names, but I mean, if you just look 
in marketing realms and you start looking at who the top names are. I mean, Seth Godin comes to mind, obviously. Um, so read up on some of those kind of gurus and what they do and what they say is working, working right now. And I think you have a good starting point. And don't feel like you need to run out and spend a lot of money taking courses or doing that sort of thing. There is so much free content available for you to start learning these things. So this is not something that should cost you, you yeah, know, it, it's absolutely. easy to see some of these courses. They'll, you know, sign up for my email list when you go to one of these blogs and then they want to sell you their course. I don't think it's necessary, especially when you're started or just starting. I yeah. really don't think that's something that you need to jump right into. No, that's a good point. And actually on that point, podcasts, remember, are free. Most, most of the podcasts yeah. are free. It's, it's very yeah. rare exception that you pay for a podcast. So yeah, invest in those and it just takes your time, you know. Next, uh, the next thing I really wish somebody had told me earlier was the attitude of this is just my style is really just an excuse not to improve. I hear this, I, I and I was there myself when I started off. I was, you know, certain things I wasn't very good. Things were cartoony, even though I wanted them to be realistic. But I had this attitude: this is just my style. This is just how I paint. This is my style. And I remember showing my work in a gallery, and there was another artist there who his big thing: he refused to go to art school of any sort. Not that I was going to art school but his whole thing i remember talking to him and he was like proud of himself no i'm not going to go to art school because they would try to change my style and his style was basically just not very good and, and i'm not saying for what he was trying to do i should say for the style you know yeah. what genre he fell in he wasn't very good at it and he was using that as an excuse and i'm not judging him because i was doing the same thing of this is just my style this is we've just all how done I think. that yeah you know and it's just an excuse. Yeah. If you are interested in a different style. Now, if that's what you are happy creating, that's one thing. That's fine. But if it's something that you you look at other art that's maybe it's more realistic, maybe it's less realistic, whatever it is you're trying to do, there, and there's no one right way. So I'm not judging based on that. But to, I was limiting myself so much. I mean, I was painting, for me at the time, I was painting marine life. And my stuff was very cartoony. I really liked the way another artist had done his stuff that was much more realistic. But, you know, no, this is my style. This is just how I paint. And I limited myself for years because of that until I came across an artist who had really inspired me, a friend of mine who was, you know, showed me what could be done. It made all the difference in my, I mean, night and day, the, the painting I did before I met this artist versus the painting after, you wouldn't even know it was the same artist. Suddenly I was able to do what I had always wanted to. I stopped limiting myself by this attitude of, well, this is just my style. This is as good as I'm going to be. Or the attitude, I, I see this a lot too. People think that it's almost like a genetic thing. Either you're good at certain things or you're not good at certain things. It has nothing to do with that. Nothing. It has to do with how much work you're going to put into it and how much practice you're going to put into it and what you teach yourself that way. Yeah, because art's a skill and yeah. you, you level up whenever you practice and you're aware, you know, you have some insight into what's going it's, on. It's always funny to me, though, because it's something like other professions don't get that. Like if someone wants to be a doctor, he doesn't just start out at 19 going, well... I have a knack for it. I don't really it. sew people up that well. <laughs> yeah. I'm not really sure how to set a bone, so I'm just not good at it. This is my style. Yeah, my no, style. you go to school and you learn. Right. And I'm not saying you have to go to school for art, but you have to learn. You have to put that time into educating yourself yeah. on improving things. And for some reason with art, people have this idea that either you've got it or you don't. No. 
Mm-hmm. You've got you may it may be an issue of you've got interest and the patience to learn it, or you don't. But as far as like the actual skill, no, it has nothing to do with that. You you have to learn like any other profession. Violin. You didn't just pick up the violin and start being amazing. I made horrible, horrible sounds horrible sounds out of that thing for years before I learned how to play. I mean, anything. But for some reason, people have this idea about art. You've got it or you don't. This is just my style. Don't let those excuses hold you back. Yeah, definitely. Okay, next, make a price list. And, you know, don't flip-flop on those prices when someone complains that you're too expensive. Just be realistic about what your art will sell for. And, you know, this happened to me just yesterday. It's so apropos here to talk about this. Somebody came into the studio, they had a little tiny cute puppy in their hands, and they asked me what, you know, what my price would be to sketch um, the puppy. Now the problem that I have is I'm not following this entirely because I didn't ha- what I'm wanting to do is get a printout and have that paper copy price list right there on my front table when people come into my studio and I haven't got that done yet. And so I was really kicking myself. I was like, okay, this is ridiculous. I should have had that done. But, you know, I can't say, well, go to my website. You know, I just started talking with them and telling them, you know, for the longest side, you know, if it's 11 inches on one side, what the price is. And, uh, and then they, I could tell they didn't like that price. And they're like, well, what about a five by seven? And I said, oh, so you want like uh, just the face or something? I said, because I can't do the entire body on a five by seven. And and I said, and if it's going to be in color, then, you know, I, I can do the face if we're going to do a five by seven. I, I just refuse to do anything that tiny. Uh, well, I'll do that sm- that size, but not any smaller than that. And I'm not going to do a full body of an animal on that size. It just wouldn't, that's not me. They can go to someone else. Um, And I don't think she really liked that price. She said she'll think about it, which is fine. I'm fine with that. Um, So you have to figure, there's, you know, there's a a pricing with, you know, there's there's a, a demand and a supply. And, you know, we learned that in marketing, right? And so anytime that you decide what your price is, then if there is a demand for it, then what's going to happen is you're going to be able to produce work and get steady work from those prices. And then it'll reach a breaking point where you're outperforming what your market will bear. And so you're you're going to reach a point, hopefully, where you're making enough money and you're, you're booked so far in advance. Like I know one artist that she's booked about two, maybe three years now in advance because she's doing work that is actually selling. Now, she's selling at a price, a, a lot lower price than I would ever sell for, but that's what she wants. She wants commissions. That's how she's making probably more than 50% of her income as an artist. That's fine. That's her decision she made in her business. Um, if that's not what you're deciding to do in your business, but rather you're you know spreading the eggs out into multiple baskets and you want to uh, income coming in from this resource over here and then another channel over here. And then maybe you're going to think about the fact that, you know, when you price your work, that you're going to get a fair market value. You know, you're going to price it at a range where you're comfortable with doing the work, whatever that price is, you know, that will vary from artist to artist, but you have to make those decisions yourself and you have to know what the market will bear. And so you do have to do a little bit of benchmarking in the market and figure out, you know, what people are willing to pay 
if that matters to you and if you're going to actually want to sell some commissions or sell some of your uh, prints or some of your originals. Uh, you know, we could go on and on about this, and this isn't a show on pricing, but it is something to consider. Uh, you know, I've seen posts and I've gotten emails before about people getting frustrated and saying, I just can't sell anything. It's like, well, you know, there there is kind of, you know, a science to this. There There is some actual rules, um, even though there is a lot of wiggle room, there are some things that are... Well, and here's the funny thing about this. I think your your story initially was such a good example of what happens when you don't have that price list. Yeah. You left both of you in an awkward situation. Right. She felt awkward because she had to ask versus just coming in and grabbing that flyer and yeah, talking exactly. to you if she was interested. You felt awkward because you're having to explain to someone you probably got the feel of wasn't going to be interested in your prices. And you get to that, like, why am I bought wasting my time with it? It's awkward for everyone involved. If you can just have a price list and you're going to have people, I promise you, that come in and say... You're, this is too expensive. Can you do this? No, this is my price. Do not feel guilty about yeah. this. Art is a luxury item. You're not withholding something super important, you know, electricity, water, gas. You know, these, these are not things people need to live by. Either they have expendable income that they can spend on the art or they don't. And if they don't, you know, you can offer prints and such available for a lower price. And that's what I always tell people. If you don't want the original, I've got prints for a fraction of the cost if, if that's something that you really want. But being realistic about what your work will sell for, this is what I wish someone had told me early on. I went into this thinking, I saw an artist who was selling work, you know, a 24 by 30 inch. She was selling these paintings for thousands of dollars. And she was doing marine life like I was, but hers were... How do you say this without sounding super... She just wasn't very good. I mean, the perspective, it it wasn't so... It was... The subject matter I liked, but not the style I liked. I guess that's a better way to put it. Um, And so I assumed, well, then mine should sell for that much. And so I remember showing my work at a gallery or displaying my work. um, The Angels Galleria was a gallery in the Pomona Arts Colony I used to, to sell in. And I remember having one of my paintings and I expected this should be a minimum $500. And the gallery owner knew it wasn't going to sell for them that much. She was experienced and I should have listened to her because that painting didn't sell that I ended up selling later on eBay for a little bit less. But, you know, at the time I should have listened to her on that. I think I was so unrealistic and I think I needed someone to really sit me down and say, look, you're new. You don't have a name for yourself. It doesn't matter that my work was technically more skilled or whatever than the woman who was selling her stuff down at the beach for $2,000. And also, so that's another thing to keep in mind. The location of where you're selling matters. What's going to sell for in Pomona, California is not the same as what's going to sell for at Laguna Beach, California. Very big difference of, of income um, for both those those locations. But I really needed somebody to ex- – I wish someone would have stopped and said, look – Let's be realistic here because I would have had a lot more sales if I was more realistic in what that work should have sold for. You know, I'm not saying go cheaper because somebody's complaining about the price, but just be realistic about what that work really is worth at that point based on your not just your skill level, but the name you have built for yourself, the following. And like I said, the location I was selling, you know, I went from Pomona, California tends to be a more low income area versus Laguna Beach, California was extreme. You know, you had to be very wealthy to live in that area. I just visited. I didn't live there. But, you know, I I just wish someone had explained that sort of thing. And again, a lot of this comes back to understanding marketing. I knew nothing. And I wish someone had just explained that simple fact to me. Yeah, you know, the skill level actually has, um, it's probably the lowest on the list on what, what the reason why something will sell for higher. 
a lot of times, you know, the market, they buy into the story. They like, you know, the idea behind why you create your art. Uh, sometimes the reason why you're an artist, uh, how long you've been creating art, how much gallery representation you have, um, you know, if you've done other marketing uh, things, you know, there there's so many factors that go into it that it, it's hard to just say, okay, this is it, you know, it, it's a, it, it's just one of those things that you you learn over time and you. Uh, you get better at it, and you start out not doing very well at figuring out how to price it, you know. Yeah. Next on our list, lighting. It matters a lot. Uh, I When I started, I was using lighting. It was just your regular kind of warm light. Ooh. And I would take my – yeah, I would take my work – and I had good – I mean, I, I actually made it so that it was fairly bright. But it was warm light. Warm I took my light. work outside in the daylight, and it was like, whoa, that is not even close to the color I thought I had painted. That matters. Painting by candlelight may sound really fun, but you're not going to produce the best work. You know, if you want to do some loose sketches, fine. But if you're trying to produce something of quality, get a daylight bulb. Um, Otlight makes a good one. We'll put a link in the show notes. There's another one on Amazon, a duo something that I have been in love with. I see everything with this light. And they've gotten really, really affordable to get good lighting. When I first started, I remember Otlights are, you know, hundreds of dollars. Now you can get yeah. stuff. The lighting that I'm using over my easel runs about $50, $54. Yeah, you, you do want to invest in good lighting. But, yeah, you don't have to get those Otlights. I mean, it was a fancy way to have the, the fix fixture that carried the bulb that you needed, uh, actually, because all you really need to do is get, make sure that your bulb is within the proper temperature uh, for the color, for the Kelvin scale, and it's between 3,100 and 4,500, and it, it just needs to be a cool white, not, you know, not up there to where it's blue or anything, but definitely not warm. So you don't want to vary those temperatures so much that you're seeing blue and you're, or you're seeing red or yellow. You want it to be right there in the middle. It's right there in a cool area towards the daylight area is where, where the Kelvin scale is, where you need to be with being able to see it under the best condition possible because you don't know what your collector or what anyone anyone else is going to be doing with that artwork once they purchase it and they put it on their wall but you want it to look the best it can look for whatever lighting situation it's going to be in all right so next manage your energy levels and you know i've seen uh, others do this and especially people who are uh, working as a full-time artist or even an entrepreneur doing something else, but man- trying to manage not just the energy level, but looking at it in a different way, sort of in this industrialized nation kind of way when we went to you know this schedule where you know 40 hour work week which is so ridiculous this is not the way people actually function properly this was a way to churn out you know cars and batteries and and factory assembly line is what that was but if you manage it so i i've seen people to complete that thought i've seen people get into this habit of saying, okay, eight o'clock, I'm doing this, nine o'clock, I'm doing this, at 10 o'clock, I'm doing it. And it's like, you know, that'd be nice if you're a robot. But if you manage your energy levels instead, and you say, okay, today, this is on my task list, or these are the things I'm going to do, or you just say, okay, within this week, I'm doing X, Y, and Z, or A, B, and C, whatever. And within this month, I'm getting this accomplished. 
And if you manage it like that, or you say, okay, this is an on day, tomorrow is an off day, I do you know, managerial type tasks tomorrow. The next day I am, uh, you know, working on my business, not in it. The next day after that, I'm doing, you know, front facing stuff in my business, whatever, whatever it is, you have to figure out those things because you're going to wake up some days and you're not going to be at your peak and you're not going to be able to do whatever you said you're doing at seven o'clock, eight o'clock, nine o'clock, that kind of thing. So I've found, and this has been sort of revolutionary for me, is managing my energy levels and deciding what tasks need to be done within an allotted amount, allotted amount of time over a period of time and saying, okay, you know what? Today, I'm not feeling it. I cannot get the energy level where, I, where it needs to be today and or at this range of time, maybe within this two to four, three, four hours of time. And so during these times when I'm not at my peak level, then there are other things in my business I can work on. Um, those other things that I could have been working on get tabled to tomorrow or later in the week or whatever it is or later that night. And then when my energy level is up and I'm able to do those things, then I can do that. So flexing and being able to you know, be a little more um, flexible with your time and figuring out what things will work best for you. Not everyone's going to be able to work the same way. But you have to figure out what works best for you and just know that there are other ways of tackling your day than maybe what you've been told in the past. Yeah, you have to be careful. Like, I can't work the way John's talking. His method, right, that he's explaining will not work for me. So you have to figure out, like you said, you have to figure out what works best for you. If I do what John does... I get to where it's like, well, okay, my energy level's low. My energy level is always low just because you guys know I have my health issues. So if I went by that, nothing would ever get done. I have to set tasks for the day. Now, I am similar to you in that I don't necessarily have to go, okay, from three to four, I'm doing this. From four to five, I'm doing this. That's a bit too structured, but I do have goals. Okay, the first half of the day, I need to accomplish this. The second half of the day, I well, need to accomplish that, this. Well, well, so then mine's we're, a little bit, I kind of modify Yeah, that's, that's kind of the same thing then, what yeah, I was talking about. Yeah, but it's more modified because I can't like, if I have to get something done, like let's say I need to edit a video and I'm just not in the mood for it, I have to do it anyway or I just won't well, get I'm it done. Well, I'm not talking about so, moods. Yeah. Uh, be careful I, here. I'm, I'm not talking about moods at all because if i if i was talking about moods i'd never do hardly anything well i say you know? <laughs> mood but energy level for me would be interchangeable because i don't yeah. ever have energy so I, I that for me would definitely i think well this goes to show not every like you said not everybody's going to work the same you need to yeah. figure out what works best for you right. and actually stick to it it's just so easy if you're like me where you're tired all the time to go uh i'll do it tomorrow uh i am the worst procrastinator Ever. I'm horrible. But I don't get stuff done when I start. Actually, I've been really bad with that lately, not getting stuff done. I am so far behind on stuff because I keep doing the, I'm too tired. I don't have the energy. I'll do it tomorrow. The energy for me is never going to come. I need to get over it and just do it. So no, you definitely I hear you need to that. figure out. Yeah. No, that that's that's actually a good thing to talk about. And I, I hope this gives others listening um, some hope, you know, and knowing that, you know, there's no set way to do this. Yeah. And the, and the other thing about it is, you know, while I'm talking about energy levels, you know, I, I, I deal with some things and one of the plaguing things that I deal with, and I think I've talked about it in the past on the podcast, is in addition to my cervical issues, uh, I have cluster headaches, which are so fun. Um, and it can just knock out 
nearly half a week, sometimes an entire week for me. And I did this while I had a day job as well. Um, it is one of the most excruciating uh, pains I've ever had in my life. And I had one last week. No, I didn't. I had it this week. Uh, took me out for three days. And there's nothing I can do. I can lay in bed, and that's about it. I don't feel any better, but I can't do anything else. Um, but on, and those kind of things happen. And so allowing for these things is what I'm talking about. Making an allocation, you know, just allowing and saying, okay, I'm not always going to be at my peak. And so when these things happen, it's going to knock me out. And I have to be flexible in my schedule. I have to say, okay, what am I going to have to do then for the remainder of the week to make up for that lost time? You know, because that will happen. It will happen. And But when you're, when you're an artist and you're doing your own thing, then, you know, there, there is not even this implied accountability when no one's waiting on you. No one cares. Like Lisa, does anyone care if you get out your YouTube video? Well, not, not a whole lot. Uh, some people do. People yeah, care, though, when that. you've got a commission. That gets when to be you have different a commission, because I've known of yes. people who, yeah. Yeah, when you, you have a commission, a- yeah. But otherwise, no one is looking for something to be there every single day or every single hour. And so you're without that type of implied even accountability. And so you're, it's on you. It's all on you. And so you have to be able to figure out how you're going to manage yourself during these times. Yeah, and, and that's a big thing, too, I wish people had told, someone had told me to start with, is that managing things, that this is a job. Yeah. Like, I mean, I knew it was a job, but you have to have some sort of a schedule, some sort of a goal, whether right. like you were saying, you know, this is what I'm going to get done this week, next week, the, you know, this month. Having that sort of set up, I, if I had done that earlier on, it would have made all the difference in the world because I wasn't getting enough done. I was doing too much of, I don't feel up to it today. And my fibro was really bad for a few years there. And I mean, I was going to feel like crap, whether I was at the easel or not, get to the easel, go get some work done. Like, you know, in my case, now that's not going to be everybody's case because like you said, with the cluster headaches, obviously you can't. But with me, I could have, but I used those as, eh, I'm not up to it. And the funny thing is for me, I actually felt better when I would get up and paint, not necessarily physically, but mentally, it really helped Mentally, yeah. So, um, yeah, yeah having sense. having a schedule, I wish somebody would have taught, you know, that that would that would definitely be at the top of my list is just not even maybe not a schedule or goals goals, yeah. um, you know, daily goals. This is what I want to accomplish today. Yeah, that's that really would have made a difference for me. One of the biggest things that has helped me and maybe it'll help you listening today, I hope, is when I started evaluating my day at the end of the day and then writing down what I'm going to do tomorrow and having just a big three, just having three things that I thought, you know, I know tomorrow I'm going to get done. That's the plan anyway. It may go awry, but that's exa- that's the plan yeah. at the beginning, you know. Yeah, I'm more likely to get it done if I've at least yeah. got a plan than if there's nothing. Yeah. And I've, I've been having a problem with that lately. If I don't set like, okay, Thursday I'm going to do this, Friday I'm going to do this. Right. If I don't set that, I end up not yeah me too anything. and i feel like crap at the end of the day i'm like i've accomplished nothing mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i wandered around fussing over little things that didn't matter and i did nothing yeah so no, yeah i've having, been there <laughs> yeah i i'm there right now i've been really bad lately so next on our list and this is a big one not everyone's opinion of your work matters right. take into account 
who is giving you their opinion. This is going to plague you throughout your career. You will have people come up and tell you why they hate something that you did. Does that person matter? Were they going to buy from you anyway? Probably not. You're probably, in that case, not creating the work that they're interested in. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, the other thing is, too, when artists are learning, we want advice from people. But not everybody's advice is equal. I mean, and I've used this example before. Jason Morgan gives me advice. I'm going to listen to it. This is somebody who, if he gave me advice, he doesn't do it often. But if he did, it's probably something I really need to hear. If some random person who is just getting started in uh, in art themselves tells me how much they hate my painting... First, they weren't going to buy from me. Second, and this is one of the things that I like to do, and this sounds super judgmental, but it can actually help your mental state sometimes. You post on Facebook, you post whatever, and somebody is super negative. They're not being constructive. They're just being negative about all the things they hate about something you did. If they have their artwork online, I like to go, look, is their artwork something that I'm aspiring to do myself? If their artwork is not their opinion does not matter to me. If they're not creating what I want to create, what I my goals are, then they're probably not somebody that really, you know, again, they weren't going to buy from me, so it doesn't matter there. They weren't, usually when people do that, they're trying to tear someone else down to make themselves feel better about their own work because of their own insecurities. So just keep that in mind. Don't let it it really get you down too much. Or I see this a lot too, where it's like, you don't even have any artwork done. So how are you judging where I'm at at this stage? I mean, if I ask someone, do you like this aspect? Should I do this or should I do that? That's different. You know, constructive criticism is very, very different than when people come up and just think you they need to tell you why they you know, they dislike something. Don't take those too seriously and don't let it tear you down. I have known way too many artists who I know, I absolutely, I've been teaching for over 20 years. So keep that in mind. I I can recognize early on if someone's going to be really amazing or not. I have seen people who I knew were going to be amazing, but because too many people, whether it be an art teacher at their high school, I had one student who had that problem, gave up on art altogether because of the stuff this art teacher said. And it really frustrated me because this student would have been amazing. Gave up on it. This teacher tore her down too many times. She was listening to the wrong people. Remember, not everybody's opinion matters. Don't let it tear you down. And beyond that, if you're doing this as a hobby and you're not even trying to make a career out of it, it really doesn't matter. Do what makes you happy. Do what you enjoy. And don't ever let somebody's opinion tear you down to the point where you're just like, I don't want to do this anymore. I give up. Don't just just don't no matter every artist every the think of your favorite favorite artist I guarantee you they have had somebody tell them how horrible their artwork was I mean Brian Holland is one of my favorites and I remember a few years ago somebody going off on him about how his artwork wasn't real art he's one of my absolute favorites and somebody is going to say that to them if if that's the case when it happens to you just remember it happens to everybody don't let it discourage you and there have been many times that I wish somebody had told me that early on because there were times where people were mean on especially on social media and you just get to the point you're like why am I doing this I should just give up I'm never going to be any good don't let that that happen those those type of comments happen to everybody again not everyone's opinion matters. Yeah, well, and it it is a good thing to go and look at whoever it is that if they're just being critical, if they're just being nasty, uh, yeah, go and look and see what kind of artwork they're producing. And nine times out of ten, what I've noticed is it's usually someone who doesn't have any artwork posted anywhere. Uh, it's the same people that when I had children, they decided that they need to tell me how to raise their, raise my kids. <laughs> and you find out, oh, they're you're raising guppies. Okay, good. 
good, good exactly. to know. You know, it's like you have no room to talk. So it it's it's an interesting phenomenon. I don't know why this happens, but there are just some people out there who just feel like they need to school someone. They need to tell them yeah. everything they've done wrong about their they art. They think I don't that their why. opinion is fact and not yeah. opinion, and they yeah. treat it as fact. Yeah. And it's really... And it we're can discourage all, people, and that's what makes me so angry is when yeah, they discourage an artist. Right, especially early on, like you talked mm-hmm. about. And we've all seen that where it, it's very um, disheartening to figure, you know, to find out that, you know, somebody got discouraged early on in their career or in their hobby, and then they just put the the paint or the pencil down and never picked it up again. I think that's very sad, actually. Yeah, it, it is. And it's something that makes me so angry. That's yeah. why I'm so passionate about this. Like, when people criticize my art, it's not going to affect me. I'm confident what I'm right, doing. But I, you've I've, been, I've been through it. You've, but you've it's developed other artists. a thick skin yeah. over time. When I was younger, I wish someone had told me yeah. that. And I wish that a lot of my students really understood that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. And, yeah, that, yeah. Well, I mean, we could go on and on all day about that. Yeah. Because I've got a lot of things yeah (laughs) you know what this is such a long list lisa but i think this is really good information and things that you know lisa and i are very passionate about all of these things on this list that we're talking about and we're gonna have a part two because we're not done yet so maybe you have something you would like to add to this list and we would love to hear that but next week we'll have the continuation of this list and If you want to reach out to us and make a comment, you can do that on the show notes page over at sharpenedartist.com slash podcast. Or you can email us podcast at sharpenedartist.com. And this is a weekly show, and we'll talk to you again next week. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. All the show notes can be found at www.sharpenedartist.com. 